Most Americans were still celebrating their Revolutionary War victory when fresh sparks of rebellion flared in Philadelphia. By 1786, they'd burst into flames and spread northward to New York and Massachusetts, then southward into Pennsylvania, Maryland, Virginia, the Carolinas, and Georgia. By 1791, they lapped onto the Blue Ridge, across the Shenandoah, and over the Appalachians, where they engulfed the entire frontier, as angry mobs swelled into an army ready to fight for independence. And not from Britain, but from the United States. Goaded by the press, foreign agents, and ambitious homegrown demagogues, tens of thousands of American farmers vilified President George Washington, his government, Congress, the courts, and the army, much as they had vilified King George III, the British Parliament, and the Redcoats two decades earlier, in 1776. If ever a nation was debauched by a man, growled a correspondent in Philadelphia's Aurora, the American nation has been debauched by Washington. Let the history of the federal government instruct mankind that the mask of patriotism may be worn to conceal the foulest designs against the liberties of a people. Another writer urged the president to retire immediately. Let no flatterer persuade you to rest one hour longer at the helm of state. Only two decades earlier, Washington and members of Congress had led Americans in a rebellion against British taxation, calling it the horror of all free states, wresting your property from you and laying open to insolent tax-gatherers your houses, the scenes of domestic peace and comfort. Washington growled to a British friend at the time, I think the Parliament of Great Britain hath no more right to put their hands in my pocket without my consent than I have to put my hands into yours for money. Now, Congress was sending its own insolent tax-gatherers across the nation to wrest properties from those who wouldn't or couldn't pay taxes. Even more appalling, George Washington, the father of our country, was ready to lead an army to enforce American tax laws, assailing his fellow citizens for creating discord, just as the British government had assailed him for creating discord after Parliament had passed the Stamp Act in 1765. The Constitution and laws must strictly govern, Washington thundered as he prepared to call up troops to crush farmer opposition to taxes in western Pennsylvania. It was every American patriot's worst nightmare come true. George Washington turned tyrant, a George IV. Only four years earlier, in 1788, Virginia Governor Edmund Randolph, who had been Washington's aide-de-camp at the beginning of the Revolutionary War, warned that the new American Constitution was a fetus of monarchy. His fellow Virginian, Patrick Henry, agreed, insisting that the Constitution would simply replace Britain's parliamentary and royal tyranny with homegrown congressional and presidential tyranny. Liberty will be lost, and tyranny must and will arise. Henry protested. As this government stands, I despise and abhor it. But President Washington remained firm in his determination to preserve the government and the Union, insisting that the daring and factious spirit which has arisen to overturn the laws and to subvert the Constitution ought to be subdued. If that is not done, we may bid adieu to all government in this country. Nothing but anarchy and confusion can ensue. If the minority are suffered to dictate to the majority, there can be no security for life, liberty, or property. Then, in one of the defining events in the creation of the U.S. presidency, 
Washington startled his countrymen by ignoring constitutional limits on presidential powers and ordering troops to crush tax protests by American citizens, much as the British government had tried and failed to do in the years leading up to the American Revolution. It was not the first time, nor would it be the last, that Washington would assume, or, as critics charged, usurp powers not granted by the Constitution. Indeed, from the moment he took office in the spring of 1789, Washington had been obsessed with establishing the president as a supreme power to govern the general concerns of a confederated republic. Fearing anarchy, disunion, and an end to American freedom if he failed to act decisively, he transformed himself and the presidency from a relatively impotent figurehead into America's most powerful leader, creating what modern scholars have called the imperial presidency. Although often associated with 20th and 21st century presidents,